Ashley Horn. And I'm Sarah Knight. We're proud of our roots and want to pass along that good old-fashioned country wisdom that has shaped our lives. We have realized that our parents and grandparents were right all along, and what was is still relevant today. So dive in with us as we branch out to share the wisdom of our roots. This is the Rooted Branches podcast. Welcome back to the Rooted Branches podcast. We are so excited to be back here with you guys. I know it was a little bit more of an extended break between season one and here the start of season two than even we anticipated, but life gets in the way, things popped up, and we have been traveling all over, but we are back now. We are so excited to bring some more episodes to you guys and to be back here for the start of season two of the Rooted Branches podcast. Yes, we're so glad to be back. Something new and fun that we're going to start doing here in season two of the Rooted Branches podcast. We will share with you a clip from our blooper reel. We have a lot of fun recording this and sometimes we get a little carried away and things that are funny happen. So we want to share a little bit of that with you guys. Stay tuned at the end of the episode to hear this week's blooper. The last episode of season one was talking about kids in church. We're going to stay in that vein and talk about why it's important for adults to attend church, things that maybe keep people out of church. So hopefully something that's said today will resonate with people and maybe answer some questions that you may have had in your own mind. We have some very special guests with us today. And for the first time, we have two live guests here with us. And they are our friends, LC and Carla Taylor. I have known them for 15 years now, and we have even referenced them a couple of times in previous Mm -hmm. episodes, the faithful few, people who are spiritual giants. These people are full of wisdom and insight, and I am so excited for them to be here with us today. So welcome, Elsie and Carla Taylor. Hello, guys. Hi. Hi, guys. Really, you guys are pillars in our church. Carly, you have gone through cancer recently, and you know I think you're on the other side of it, but your faith yes. and your attitude and your positivity through all this is so inspirational. And then LC and I are in the praise band together. LC is a gifted singer, guitarist, bass player, songwriter, so I'm, I'm proud to serve with LC. I was really surprised when we were preparing for this episode when LC told me that he actually wasn't raised in church his whole life. Well, my background with church pretty much began when I met Carla. (laughs) Uh, I had, as a child, uh, my family, we never went to church. You know, my dad played the guitar and sang and mom would sing a gospel song every now and then, but there was never any prayer, never any going to church. It was something that I had no clue about. Then when I met Carla, her dad made it pretty clear that if I was going to date his daughter, that I would be going to church with them. And so (laughs) that's kind of where it started for me. To be honest, I wasn't very serious about it. When I first started going, I just, I love this girl and I wanted to be near her. So that's. 
That was my only motivation. <laughs> it worked. You're, you're that here. was a good one. Well, yeah, the yeah. Lord well, use a pretty girl to get you in. Yeah, you came in with no background at all, but the, the Lord got a hold of you and you had that Jesus experience for yourself. And that's really right. what take. And that's kind of where it really started for me. So you got in, it became real to you. You guys are in church. Uh, you obviously got married. So Carla, if you will tell us kind of a little bit about that after you guys got married. We were married very young. We were 17 years old. Wow. <laughs> and we were attending, yeah, young. Yeah, that's young. I know. I didn't, we, of course, at the time, we didn't realize how young we were. Yeah. We didn't think we were young. We thought right. we were grown. Yeah. And of course, we were attending church. Um, you know, we were a young married couple, and we were expecting our first child. So by the end of August of 1981, we had had our first son. You know, there was no question we were attending church and we wanted to raise him in church mm-hmm. and have him dedicated. But 14 months later, we had our second son and that was early November of 1982. So about 14 months there. And of course, by that time we were much older, right? We were 18 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So 18 married, two kids, two young sons, 14 months apart. But by the time we had our second son, we were no longer going to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I look back on those years and it just happened mm-hmm. um, and it happened so quickly and easy, it seemed we stopped going to church. It wasn't, we never made a decision to stop going. It was never a discussion. You know, we never planned it. We just weren't going to church anymore. We had stopped going. And um, what really amazes me about that time is that even when we did have our second son 14 months later, to the, it was to the point that we didn't even, I know I didn't, um, I can't speak for LC, but I did not even think about having him dedicated or that we mm-hmm. needed to get back into church. Didn't even mm-hmm, think about yeah. it. I can give you, you know, some reasons we stopped going to church. Um, you know, I can say we were young because we were. <laughs> we were so busy taking care of, obviously at that time, our two sons, young sons, both of them in diapers taking care of a home, earning a living, you know, enjoying our new life together as a, as a young married couple with two kids and raising them. And, and then although all those reasons are true, I know that it didn't just happen as we look back and sometimes think it will just happen. Truly it's because we weren't making our relationship with God a priority. Mm -hmm. Um, It happened because everything else in our life at that time even good things became a priority over our relationship with God, you know, and we were young and we were immature Christians as well. Mm -hmm. Had we maybe been older or at least more mature in our Christian walk, we may not have, but I believe we were not making our relationship with God a priority. Yeah. I would just add to that, like Carla just said, even things that are good, family was instituted before the church was. So that's just a fact. That's in scripture. That's the first organization that God created was the family. So, you know, I could say that I justified it, that I'm working two jobs to help provide for my family. And I have to have a job that makes me work on Sunday just because we have to be able to support our family. It just leads to complacency because you'll become complacent, you'll be distracted, and eventually, you know, it's going to lead you to sin. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. 
And so sometimes when we find ourselves getting indifferent and we're drifting and we're not realizing that we're drifting away, it's just like if you are in a boat and if we don't have something connecting us to that dock, we look up and all of a sudden we've drifted away and we can't reach the dock anymore. And I think sometimes that happens to people. As you know, this wouldn't be the Root of Branches podcast unless Ashley's coming in hot with a Webster's Dictionary definition for you. This really sums up what we were talking about. Complacency is defined as self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. Just like he said, he didn't know. It's an instance of usually unaware or uninformed self-satisfaction. So like we were saying, there are dangers from drifting Mm -hmm. and and like I said you you think that you are within reach of the dock but you look up and you realize you can't reach it anymore and one of the songs that I've written over the years it it was called consider the raven there's a line in the song where it says uh, it's been quite a while now since you took time to pray now look down where your feet stand and see how you've strayed that was one of the earlier songs that I wrote that was me when I came back and we went through some stuff before we came back, but that was just straight from my heart. Prayer is important and it's extremely important. And even now, all these years later, I catch myself falling into this and you have to make it a priority. And the great thing about it is the next two words in this song that say, but my God is a great God who knows how you feel. I know he will listen if you will just kneel. You can't stray far enough to where God will not take you back. Anyone that's listened to this, if you're in a backslidden condition or your prayer life is what needs to be, don't don't let the enemy convince you that you've gone too far to come back. Because there is no such thing. And it's a lie straight from the devil. That's good. Yeah. Just like Carla said, we do have to make a conscious decision to make God a priority. Because... It's so easy to get busy and it's so easy to become complacent. And I think the more that you miss church, the easier it is to miss church. And just like you said, you don't even realize. And that's the very definition of complacency. I had seen a quote somewhere that said, if the enemy can't get you out in sin, he'll get you with your time. He'll make you busy. I agree. Years ago, and I can't remember who I was listening to, but they shared a message about an acronym for busy, B-U-S-Y, bound under Satan's yoke. Even the good things can keep us from attending church Mm -hmm. if we don't make our relationship with him as a priority. I feel like I have learned that, you know, we do have to be careful that we don't stop attending church. COVID was just a crazy time for people where they were afraid to come to church and they got used to living room church and things, which some people are shut-ins and that's all you can do. We're not here to down anybody or make them feel bad. If you have a job that you have to work on Sundays, that's absolutely understandable. But some of you, maybe all you can do is go back and catch up I know going through COVID, obviously a lot of churches turned to streaming the services that maybe weren't streaming them prior to COVID. And I'm so thankful that there are opportunities 
for whatever we do have to miss. As of last year, I was diagnosed with cancer. And yes, I believe that's all behind me and God has healed me. I had a clear PET scan, but even through that, I was thankful for online services. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. be here in my home trying to recover and also be able to still worship mm-hmm. along yeah. with the church. That's but part we, of being in, intentional. You were being yes. intentional about still yes. joining in. Going to church is very important. Mm-hmm. But having a relationship with God is the most important. Exactly. Your prayer That's life it. and spending yeah. time in a word. You know, if you're doing that and you have you have a job that works on Sunday, you're not going to fall into what I fell into. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get become complacent because you're keeping, as, as Ashley just uh, stated, you're connected to the dock. Mm-hmm. You're not going to drift off. The church is where we go to fellowship and worship together. Your relationship with God is the rest of the week. We come to church to give God praise corporately together. You know, we come together to lift one another up. And to draw strength from each other. That's the most important thing. You know, I know things happened where you can't come to church, but be there when you can. But most important, spend time with God each day. You know that I always have a Bible story or a Bible verse to relate to everything. I find the Lord in all things. I have a story for you. It's in Luke chapter 10, and it's verses 38 through 42. But I'm just going to kind of summarize it for you here and give you the Sarah Knight translation. I know you guys have missed that during our break (laughs) between these seasons. But Jesus is going into a village, and he's coming to a house of his friends, Mary and Martha. Now, they are super excited that Jesus is there, and they're preparing everything to welcome him in. And it says that Martha welcomed him into her house, and Mary, she was just kind of sitting at the Lord's feet, and she was listening to him teach. She was investing all of her attention. She was so focused on Jesus, whereas Martha, she was distracted. She was trying to serve everyone. She was trying to prepare the house. You know, she was wiping down the counters, everything that you do when you have guests come over. She was super distracted by trying to get everything prepared. She was doing all good things. She wasn't doing anything wrong. She wasn't sinning or she wasn't doing anything out of place, but she was super distracted by all the other good things. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you're troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which Mm -hmm. will not be taken away from her. Now, Martha, she wasn't doing anything wrong. She was busy. She was doing all these other good things that needed to be done, but Mary she chose the better part. She had all of her focus on Jesus and she wanted nothing else. Nothing else was coming in to distract her from what the Lord had to say. And I think that that really can apply obviously to our lives here today. There are so many things that we could be doing that are good things, you know, taking our kids to sports practices or catching up on laundry or grocery shopping for the week, all the things that we normally have to do on the weekends because we're working through the week or whatever. 
and they're all good things. They're all necessary things that need to be done. But the better part, that's what we have to focus on. We have mm -hmm. to turn our faces, turn our hearts to Jesus and really intentionally give him the time. And it is a sacrifice to do that sometimes. Other things have to be kind of pushed aside. Other good things might have to be pushed aside. The laundry might have to wait. We might have to get our groceries on Monday evening or whatever. We might have to tell our kids they're not going to go to practice during church time. We have to really be intentional about the better part. We have to choose the better part. And I know we just have to be careful that we don't get too busy. Even serving, if we're not careful, even serving can become more like work and we can weary and well-doing even. And mm -hmm. I love scripture in Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, come unto me, all you that labor. And we are going to have to labor, right? And are heavy laden. And that, that heavy laden means burdened. That's what he, that's what we don't have to be is burdened. And he says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus does not want us to be burdened. He can free us from those burdens. It's not that we will ever stop laboring, but how he gives us that rest is he promises, you know, his love and his healing and his peace. And that's with him. Our relationship with God versus without God, what it does is it changes that labor and that sometimes what we feel like is meaningless toil. Like you said, getting up every morning, preparing breakfast, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, it's one of the most important jobs, if not the most important job ever is raising yeah. children. It changes that meaningless toil that we feel like we do day in and day out, our routine into purpose. It's spiritual. We don't always stop and think about it like that. And it is spiritually productive. And there is a purpose that he has for that. This was years ago, um, I was thinking about this and just kind of praying and talking to the Lord. And, and I wrote the song, Time for You. And it basically just says, I should have took time for you. I might have avoided mistakes I've been through. And when I fell from life's problems, that's when I knew that I'd still be standing if I had took time for you. Yeah, it's good. all about priority. God's got to be the first priority. I left church for basically 12 years. I mean, it was 1993 when we came back and gave, you know, gave our hearts to the Lord. And the rest is kind of history. I'm not going to be the, sit here and say I haven't had my struggles since then. I think we all have our struggles in certain areas. Yeah. But I've never stopped. That's so good. You know, even through the struggles, I never stop. That is yeah, a word. That it is. is so good. So during all of those years that you guys were out of church, was the Lord dealing with you? Was there anything that you felt like drawing you back? Did anything happen? Did he speak to you in any way saying, hey, come on back? I didn't even think about it. I didn't miss it. I didn't think about it. It wasn't on my mind at all, which kind of amazes me looking back. I believe it was in 1986. So at this point, we had been out four or five years, but um, there was a woman. I didn't know her. She didn't know me other than 
you know, we were on the same team. And she came to me one day and she told me that God had a word for me and she shared that word. And she told me that God had said to her to tell me that I needed to get back into church and I needed to do it now, quickly, um, something to that effect. Thinking back about that, she didn't know. Like I said, she didn't know me. She didn't know that I used to go to church. And now, <laughs> here in 1986, when she was sharing this with me, that I wasn't. But, you know, God knew. He knew. Yeah. I remember telling her, you know, I really appreciate you telling me. I wanted to make her more comfortable. But I explained to her that I did used to go to church. And, um, you know, I do believe that God can lay somebody on someone's heart and even give them a message to share. That person, our career just took different paths. I hadn't even thought about her in years, all those years, never, not one time until came back to church. We started attending. We gave our hearts to the Lord and got saved. It was 1993. Within a matter of just days of being saved, he reminded me that he tried to warn me. And it's so interesting because I started that morning off with thanking him for saving me for everything he was doing and all of his promises. But even though I was thanking him, it turned into me complaining about everything that I had gone through, or as LC had mentioned earlier, you know, what we had gone through and our marriage and problems that we did have and that we created because we did not keep obviously God as a priority, but I was complaining. I did not hear him audibly, but within my spirit, if someone can understand that he quickly called me by name. He said, Carla, I tried to warn you, but you did not heed my voice. And then of course I started wondering, you know, where this woman was. And I didn't know if she still worked for the same company. Didn't even know if she was retired or if she left. But within a few weeks, <laughs> I'm at work. I walk out of a bathroom stall and looked up and there she is washing mm -hmm. her hands. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I hadn't seen her since 1986. And I wanted to say something so bad to her. And I kept thinking, she is not going to remember me. <laughs> so I had to just kind of encourage myself, just say something, just say hi. I actually said, hi, Pat. I remembered her name. I said, I don't know if you remember me. And before I could even say anything further, she said, oh, yes. I said, I remember you, Carla. And she called me by name, just like the Lord does. He knows us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she said, I remember you, Carla, and you don't know how many times over the years the Lord has laid you on my heart and I have prayed for you. It's amazing. I had forgot for a period there about God and about his message even that he gave me. But he never, ever forgot about me. So powerful. He's so faithful. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Well, yeah, and if there's someone out there that you feel like God has forgotten about you. This is a reminder that he's not forgotten about you. If you've been looking for a sign or asking for a sign, mm -hmm. let this be it. Let this. I had a dream. I don't know what year it was, but I know we were out of church. And to this day, I've never had a more realistic dream than this. Some family members are had, had like a, a river camp and we had gone down there a few times and they had this little, little outhouse that sat, up this little trail to the house, had a little moon on, you know. Mm -hmm. And I found myself there looking at that outhouse, and there was this new trail that was going from, it just branched off and went up this hill. And I felt so compelled to walk up this hill. 
And so I walked up and it leveled out and there was looked at, it was like this freshly dug up earth. And there was a hand reaching out of this earth to me. It was like reaching, like it, it was like one, wanting to reach me. And as I got closer, I seen that there was a nail print in the hand and I went to grab the hand and it pulled back into the ground. And I heard this voice say, you're too late. Mm. And the next thing I knew I was running with all these people and all these people were coming to this cliff and they were flying up and like Jesus was up there, like with his arms outstretched, reaching them. And I got right to that. I'm like, I'm going to fly with these people. And I got right to the edge and everything just closed up. And I, I like barely stopped before I fell off the cliff. And I heard the same thing say, you're too late. And I woke up scared to death. Now you would think, <laughs> you would think I would have got right off on my knees right then, but I didn't, I did not heed that dream. And thank God that I did come back to the Lord before it was too late. To this day, I get chills when I think about that dream. Yeah. And I really feel like the Lord was trying to reach me. In, in 1993, I can give you the date, April 4th, 1993, we went to church. Our boys had come to church with their grandmother a couple of times, like for Christmas, and they wanted to go to church. And I think they had actually gone with Carla's mom and, and gotten saved before we even went back. I, I had conviction the moment I walked in, I could feel it. I was uncomfortable. I wanted to go to the altar so bad, but I had convinced myself that I'd gone too far, you know, that God wouldn't take me back. I still had the pews those days, and I had the old white knuckle grip going on. Carla had already gone up <laughs> and had gotten saved. And, and I remember the pastor coming to me and asked me if I wanted to pray. And I was like, nope, ain't going to do it. You know, almost exactly with that tone. Like I was, there was no way I was going to go do it. Church ended and we went home and I, we went, got some stuff to grill out. And I remember standing at the grill and cooking hamburgers and just bawling. I remember being on cloud nine and singing Amazing Grace. <laughs> and I was, and, and I, was, I, was, I was miserable. <laughs> you were miserable at first. Yeah. Don't say that like you, don't say that like you enjoyed it so much. Uh, <laughs> see, reveling in my misery, but yeah, you know, it was my own fault. We went back to church that night. For some reason, we were in the middle of a pew. There was people on both sides of us. I knew I was going to go to the altar. I wanted to go to the altar. And there was like people to oh. my left and people to my right. But there was no one in the pew in front of me. And I said, if someone doesn't move soon, I'm, I'm going over this pew to the altar. <laughs> and thankfully, someone, someone did move. And I had never written a song in my life, ever. But then once I gave myself to the Lord, it was like, this was so easy. You know, why, why in the world did I beat myself up so bad over doing this? And I wrote the song, It's So Easy That It's Hard. And it's basically, it's so easy, it's hard. No matter how far you've strayed, it's really not that far. When you find Jesus, who died for you and me, just call his name. It's not so hard, you'll see. To me, it was amazing that these words just poured out of me. That's why I still say it, it was just a, a gift from God. But then I got really nervous. felt like the Lord wanted me to sing it in church. And uh, that scared me to death because I was a, uh, a basement 
guitar player singer. I didn't do it in front of people back, <laughs> back then. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, that's kind of where things started. And I'm just so thankful for that gift that the Lord gave me. And it's like, I'm not, not, not a prolific songwriter. I would say, I mean, I've written a few, but it's like when I write them, it's, I feel like they come from the Lord and I'm just thankful for that. My prayers that, you know, they'll help somebody. If they help one person, then that's enough for me. I think your songs are great. We've sang some at church, you know, frequently. That's what's amazing about the Lord is that he will make you whole. He will give you gifts and talents that you did not know that you had. Thank you all for sharing your amazing story. And just like you said, hopefully it will help someone. Maybe there's somebody out there that's thinking and feeling the same things you were. So hopefully that resonates with. We spoke about complacency and not knowing we're drifting and being busy. There are other things that can cause people that may already be in church to stop attending church. And even not stop attending church, but to let their relationship with Jesus lapse. Elsie was talking about that earlier. You know, you can go to church all you want, but it's the relationship part that's the most important. So even if some people are in church and doing all the right things like we, we talked about earlier, they can still be, uh, for lack of better terms, lost in the pew. They can mm -hmm. be there, but they can still be letting their relationship with Jesus suffer. Well, my husband was raised as a preacher's son, and he went through a little rebellious period in high school where he was, you know, dabbling a little bit in, in you know, drinking, partying, things like that. And he, he was there every Sunday. He lived in the mm -hmm. church parsonage right beside the church with his parents. He was there every Sunday, but he, he would say, I was in church and out of church at the same time. I was going through the motions and everyone thought that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, but he's like, my heart wasn't in it. Mind was out of church when my body was in church. That's so good. And I remember him saying that in church and that really just struck me because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it's easy to get into that kind of mindset. You know, you come to church every Sunday, you sit in your pew, you raise your hands when the songs are going, you can clap along, you flip your Bible to the right scripture, but you're just going through the motions or playing church. church even, yeah. right? And so you can be in church and, and doing the right things, but your heart is not in the right place. It's mm -hmm. easy to get that way sometimes. You miss one Sunday, it's easier to miss the next Sunday and be out of church longer than you ever thought that you would be. It's very comparable to physical exercise. People that work out, and I hate to say I'm not one of them, I don't do very much working <laughs> out. Recently, I, I started bowling again. And I realized I've not been working out because... <laughs> I heard in places I forgot I had, you know, <laughs> if you're working out and you stop working out, you'll get weaker and it gets easier to not work out. If you don't make yourself go back and start doing it again, it gets easier. The longer you go, the easier it gets. It's the same thing with your prayer life. Don't pray a day. It'll sneak up on you. And all of a sudden you'll realize that you're spiritually weak because you've mm -hmm. not been spending your time with the Lord. A few months after I've been saved, and I was really struggling. I was struggling with living a Christian life. And I was, at the time, 
you know, uh, someone in the church was getting ready to go have surgery for, for cancer or tumor that they were going to have to have removed. And we had prayer for them on a Wednesday night. And it wasn't like one of these big, you know, Holy Ghost movement prayers. But there was this real peace that just settled on the room. And anyway, the next day, you know, she basically went to have this surgery and she's back there for a while. And all of a sudden here she comes walking out, you know, about an hour later saying, let's go eat. They had basically went to take some shots to see how we're going to go in and get this thing. And then they were like, well, we need to take some more shots. Those didn't come out too clear. And they just came out and said, well, what was there here is no longer there. So you just go, go on home and come back when you need us wow. wow and i'll just share the first name it was it was pat and one of the lines in the song was the miracle i seen god do for pat became a miracle for me because it was even though he healed her it healed me too mm-hmm. i can't help but think about a message that i had listened to by jensen franklin it was based on psalm 24 3 but he was talking about that was where he took his um the text the scripture from but He was talking about how life is like an uphill climb, but the view is worth it. I know I'm not a climber, (laughs) but I've heard stories of people who are, and, you know, they do talk about that view at the top, you know, and what they go through to get to the top for that view. But, you know, he was talking about how just like that, life is full of challenges and it requires us to keep climbing. But he talked about how there are three type of people in life as well as in the church. And he was comparing the two. He stated in his message how there's those that start the climb, but they quit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I kind of look back and think that, that was LC and I, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I was in church, going to church. LC was made to go to church because he was dating me. But, you know, we started that climb, but then we quit. And then there's those that keep climbing, but they only climb so high. And they get there and they camp out. They just get comfortable. Again, they get complacent. They may even tell themselves, well, doing better than most. And then there's that last group that, you know, they just keep climbing. They press on and they don't want to stop growing. We're never going to arrive here. (laughs) You know, we're never going to be so spiritual or so perfect or anything here. But, you know, just to keep growing in him. But he said, you know, we're either a quitter, a camper, or a climber. A quitter abandons the climb when things get tough. A camper is not a quitter, but, you know, they may have a few successes and then they get satisfied and they get get complacent. They just want to kind of hang out. And they say things like, well, this is good enough for me. It's comfortable here. Kind of weary of the climb. So I'm just going to hang out here and, and not press on no matter what. And I know probably about three years ago, though I was a quitter at one point, I came back. And then, of course, I became, you know, that camper. I mean, the Lord showed me again about three years ago. I really felt like that he began to deal with me that I had become complacent. I was comfortable and I was weary. (laughs) It's like, you know, and I wasn't growing in him like I even wanted to, but without even realizing it. He's still working on me even today just to continue that climb. And I'm so thankful and grateful that he knows where I'm at and he meets me where I'm at. I like that the the quitters, the campers and the climbers, that's good stuff. And just like Elsie yeah. said earlier, even though it gets hard, I'm never going to stop. Mm-hmm. I think that fits in so well. That is so good. 
so one of the reasons that I hear people give when they say they don't attend church, some of them may have felt judged by people in church. Churches are filled with people who are fallible human beings. We said before, just because they attend church, that doesn't mean that they are where they need to be spiritually. So sometimes those people might be judgmental. Something that broke my heart, I do jail ministry at the juvenile detention center. One of the times that I visit, there was a young girl who was a teen mother and she was due to be released pretty soon. And she looked at me with, with just the saddest eyes. And she said, do you think that I can find a church where I can take my baby and they won't judge me? And my heart just broke for her in that moment because I knew that she was speaking from experience. You could just feel that, that she had felt that judgment and the weight and the hurt of that judgment. And I, I looked at her and I said, I'm going to pray that God will send you the right church. We have made mistakes in our lives. No one is perfect. Church, the institution did not hurt you. People did. Pray that God will send you to a church where you feel like you belong and that you have fellowship. That hurt is just a lie and a deterrent from the enemy that if he can get you bitter and angry, he can make you believe that God did that, that the church did that. It's all a lie. It's all a facade. You're worth more than that. But I tell the people at the jail, sometimes we have to forgive God for things that we may be bitter towards God, things in our life that's happened that we don't understand, that we don't feel like we deserved. We've got to forgive God. We've got to forgive others. We have to forgive ourselves. You have to have freedom. Another reason people don't go to church is because there's hypocrites there. Sometimes, unfortunately, the biggest gossipers that you will hear will be church people. And we need to be coming together. Bible calls the church the body of Christ. And it says the eye can't say to the ear, you're not important because every person has their own unique role. And we all need to function together as one body. And there cannot be people sowing discord among the brethren, gossiping, carrying tales. There's so much going on in this world you know people are dying they're fighting wars we don't need to be focusing on all this pettiness that's really good it goes back to our kardashians quote from the first episode people are dying (laughs) yes yes (laughs) thing reminds me of a thought josh preached about this a few weeks ago that in the wild the lion doesn't go for the biggest strongest elephant to try to take down what he tries to do is separate a hurt one off to itself. And that's the one that is most likely to be attacked. That's the one that's in the most danger. So what the enemy tries to do is he tries to get us isolated because when we're by ourselves, when we're isolated, we're not as scary, right? And then he can come against our mind and attack us. And once he's got us off by ourselves, but when we gather together with the body of believers, when we come together with other people in the church who are like-minded and are seeking after the same thing, seeking after the heart of Jesus, 
then we have a team, we have a community, and we are less likely to succumb to the attacks from the enemy if we are joined together in that mm-hmm. body of Christ and we don't let the enemy come against us to isolate us off by ourselves. I absolutely agree. I think sometimes people feel like they have to give up too much to attend church, you know, or being involved. Um, It does take a lot of time. It can take up a lot of your time. It is a commitment, but you'll never regret it. What I don't think sometimes people realize, and of course I know we didn't when we were younger, is we're quick sometimes to commit to many other things. But, you know, when we truly think about it, people do give up a lot. Mm -hmm, Yeah for many different reasons, their time, their resources, whether it's, you know, to get an education, to climb, as we call it, the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. There's some people that will give almost anything for power, giving of your time and, and making a commitment. Think about the scripture that talks about, you know, God plants us, you know, and I know you were sharing about the young lady at the uh, juvenile detention center. I do pray. And I know that God does, he will lead us to a church and he does plant us because he wants us to grow. I have a um, life application study Bible. And if you look at the book of Hebrews, it'll say that it was written to encourage us to maintain our faith in Jesus Christ and not to return to our old ways. There's so many reasons that it's important to find a church get into a church, attend a church, if at all possible. That's where we can hold on to our faith. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, King James Version says, and let us consider one another to provoke. And that just simply means to stir up one another unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner, which just basically means habit. So it's a habit of some, it says, but exhorting Again, meaning encouraging one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The judgment day. I do as a Christian what I would do without my church family. Yeah. The encouragement, the care, the love is a commandment. You know, we're told to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Whatever day that might be, I know some people Sunday, some people Saturday, but about that relationship, you know, if you can't be in church, you can find a midweek service, finding services online, but to be part of that body, the Bible gives us so many helpful illustrations to understand what it means to live a Christian life, how to do that. We are a body. We are the church. We make up that church. Every person is important. If we do neglect, you know, meeting together in a local church with our local church family, maybe actually be taking away from the overall health of the body. You know, participating in church and just again, offering our time and our talents will improve and will strengthen not just the body, but ourselves. I've heard people say before, I don't like your church because it makes me feel bad when I leave. Now, you know, I think that, that there needs to be clarification there. I feel like churches should be preaching the word of God They should not be legalistic and judgy in terms of, you know, man's construct about what man thinks you should and should not do. Um, But, you know, the Bible does have guidelines for living. And if maybe you are engaging in sin and the pastor's preaching on a topic and lovingly addressing that topic according to the will of God, 
it might prick your heart. It, you might, you know, they, you know, as the old timers say, they might be preaching on you. But mm-hmm. I feel like that maybe that's the reason it was brought up when you were there for God to say, hey, you know, this is something you're doing, but let's work on this together. God's not here to chastise us and to bring us down. He's here to lovingly correct, like, you know, the father that he is and help us to improve and be better. I mean, there is a difference when a pastor is lovingly preaching the word of God. And, you know, obviously I, I don't stand for, for, for the legalism aspect of it. That's not biblical. Um, but that's one, one reason that I hear. But that's how plants grow too. You know, yep. whenever there are dead leaves on a plant, you pinch them off and you pinch them off uh, to where the new growth can take place. And that's what mm-hmm. going to church is and, and hearing the word of God and having your toes stepped on a little bit is being able, that's the Lord reaching down and pinching off those dead spots, pinching off those dead leaves on you so that you can grow and produce more fruit for his kingdom because that's, that's your whole purpose in life. I like uh, Joyce Myers. I know she says this, there's a difference between condemnation versus conviction. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have a girlfriend whose words to me have been in the past. I don't like going to your church because every time I go, I cry. That's conviction. God wants to convict us. And there is a difference. Yeah. John three seventeen says that the Lord came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And in saved. order to be Amen. saved, it's getting rid of that old stuff. It's dying out to that old flesh. It's not condemnation, but it is a change. Go and sin no more. Go on and be different and be new and be whole in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And I would even add, go and sin no more. And if you mm-hmm. sin again, ask for forgiveness again and get back up. Yep. Yeah. Keep picking off those dead leaves. This is where the enemy will try to use what I call the spirit of offense. Yeah. People start feeling what is actually conviction. The enemy will try to turn that into condemnation and get them offended. So they'll leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's true. Good. Looking at some stuff on the internet, talking about you know, five people go to church, the purpose of church, and it was there was five functions listed. Obviously, the first one is worship, to be taught or to teach, fellowship, evangelize, and then to serve. But I don't want to leave out the worship. So First Chronicles sixteen twenty nine says, "Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness." Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. That's why we need to attend church. Just one, the worship. He is worthy. Sometimes people don't attend church because they may struggle with depression, anxiety, mental illness. Do your best to press through. You know, there's an old song that says, if you make one step, he'll make two. If you make the effort to get up, get yourself ready and go. The Lord will help you. I promise it will be worth it. Just like the analogy, the, the climb to the top will be worth it. Don't give up. Don't let the devil lie to you. That's just a, a trick of the enemy to keep you out of church. Another reason people say that they don't attend church is maybe, 
your significant other doesn't attend church. And they say, well, I don't want to go by myself. I don't want to have to take the children and deal with the children all by myself. I need help. Press forward. Again, that's one of those issues. Do your best. God will bless you. And you getting up, getting ready, getting the kids ready may be the very thing that motivates your spouse to come with you. God will bless you. God will reward your obedience. And again, it is worth it. I know when you said, do your best, of course, what popped in my mind was, you do your best, he'll do the rest. (laughs) That's good. Um, Obviously, we addressed it in the last episode. Don't worry that your young children are going to create distraction, you know, because they need to be in church too and be raised in church. There is so much love from church people. If a church is functioning like the Bible says it's supposed to function, you should be surrounded and enveloped in love in your church family. Our motto at our church is we are family. I recently went through a tragedy in my life within the last month and a half where I lost my father unexpectedly. But we as a family were blown away by the love that the church people showed us in that time of tragedy. And My stepmother lives in a place where her family is not nearby, but the church family has stepped in to be her family. And if you're somebody out there that's looking for a place to belong, that's looking for a family, I encourage you, I implore you, find a place that preaches the word of God. Ask God to send you somewhere where you fit in, somewhere that does feed your soul, and that you can get in and work and minister because there are so many wonderful things about being part of that body of Christ. Thank you guys so much for listening and for being here with us today. I was so thrilled. And Ashley, I know I'm sure that you were too, to be back with our rooted Mm -hmm. branches of family. We loved having Carla and Elsie to join us today. I feel like they brought so much wisdom to mm-hmm. this topic, this very important topic, and I'm so thankful that they were able to be with us here today. Please remember to rate and review the podcast. That really helps us out, and we just love hearing from you guys. We love hearing how this podcast has reached out because that is what we hope and that is what we pray is that this will reach out to you. And we will be back with you very soon. So we'll see you then. See you then. So by the end of August of 1981, we had had our first son. And <laughs> and he, one of my ear pods or whatever you call them just fell I off. know. I heard that noise. <laughs> it hit the floor. Okay. Where to go? Oh, it went to the trash can. Okay, I'm glad I shifted. <laughs> it didn't hit the floor. It went to, let me put my Not ear today, back. Satan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Ash, Ashley, you have to save that one for our blooper reel that we're creating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing is Spotify deletes stuff after a while. <laughs> We were only so, we were only ten minutes in, and we made the blooper reel. I'm, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>